0: Welcome to NodeUp, I'm Rod Vag and I'm here at the Node Foundation's Node Interactive and also the Collaborator Summit for 2016 and I'm going to see who I can find to talk to about how things have gone down. (laughs) Okay, so I'm here at the Node Foundation Collaboration Summit or Collaborator Summit, what are we calling it, Collaborator Summit and it's following the, the Node Interactive USA in Austin 2016 and I'm here with Michael Rogers and uh, Michael for those of you that don't those those listeners that don't know you introduce yourself.
1: I'm Michael Rogers I work for the Node.js foundation I wrote request and and I started a conference called NodeConf and done a few other things but yeah yeah. And and you're also
0: a long-time host
1: of (laughs) NodeUps so I wanted to
0: ask you just uh, let's start about Node Interactive. So this is the third Node Interactive. That's correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we did we did our first one literally maybe three months after the foundation started. It was kind of record time for the Linux Foundation to put something together that quickly. But we did one in Portland, and then we had one a few months ago in Amsterdam, and then this one and now in Austin. And is
0: this the biggest turnout, or did we have bigger turnout in the first? This is the biggest. yeah,
1: this, yeah. Is the biggest. this is the biggest, yeah. We had about 750 people here. So yeah. and, and also in terms of sponsorship, there was pretty good sponsorship? Oh, yeah, way way more than, than last year. One, because we had much more time, uh, so more people had time to sponsor. But also just, you know, a, a lot of interest in, in, in that area, so we had a, a huge number of sponsors. A lot of really good companies helped us out, so.
0: Yeah, and no, I noticed no, the sponsor room was quite large. There's a lot of companies I hadn't even heard of that were here as well. So tell me about the selection process for the talks, because I actually think, in terms of the lineup, this was one of the best conferences that I've been to, one of the best lineups I've seen. How did we manage to get such a good lineup? And was that a matter of curation, or was that a matter of availability?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like, I've I've run conferences before. Tracy Hines, who also works for the foundation, has run conferences before. So we're we're comfortable selecting talks, and, and we kind of run the majority of the selection process. We also go with a much sh- shorter format than I think a lot of other big conferences this size are used to. We do 20 minutes, which is typical in the JavaScript community, but not, not as typical in conferences like this. But one of the big differences between this event and events that me and Tracy have done before is that this is multi-track and that we get a much broader broader section of users in terms of background, so it's actually important to have the multiple tracks because we want content that's actually going to be interesting to people at each given time. Whereas the community conferences, there, there's a bit more of a kind of shared understanding about the narrative that's going to happen, and there's usually just one track and stuff like that. So we had a lot of really really good submissions, like tons. So we had a lot of great ones to choose from, and we were, you know, just very conscious of getting a broad section of topics in. You know, we wanted we wanted to show people some the areas of core that they might not know about you know some of the like you know performance and monitoring stuff i think you know there's a huge there's a huge amount of effort going into that but not a lot of awareness of it you know we have all these new areas like desktop applications with electron that we want to talk about we have all these peer-to-peer systems so there's just a real great breadth of content a lot of creativity in the node community and just a lot of great talk submissions this time around what about your experience at node interactive did
0: you have highlights here were there things that surprised you was there anything that like you know you learned
1: from here <laughs> well i mean my my experience is definitely different than most attendees i you know like i have a I look at my calendar and it tells me where to go in terms of <laughs> meetings and things like that. So the only talks that I really got to watch were the keynotes because I was introducing them and kind of watching from the background while those were going on. But I actually really liked like your talk and the metrics because <laughs> I, I I I'm a big metrics nerd. I, I love it when we can take kind of like the because anecdotally like you and I see all the new faces, we see all the new people coming through, but to see like numbers that show the level of new activity the 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 slow but steady movement from you know a few people doing the majority of the work to many many people doing the ma- doing a lot of the work. I mean, just the fact that we, we're now below 50% of the code changes happening from the top 10 contributors, you know, whereas a year ago it was, uh, you know, over 50%. That kind of stuff is is really, really interesting to me. And I think also, you know, when we look at the, the policies that we've had or the outreach that we do or, you know, like stuff that we did, like the code and learn, we can really start to quantify the impact of, of what we do with these, you know, human scale efforts. We actually have numbers to back up what, what goes on. So that was great.
0: So in- in terms of the foundation foundation membership is is up in terms of the companies anyway we're, we're i think at 27 companies that are member companies the board almost all of the board was here in person we had a in-person board meeting can you talk a bit about the journey of the foundation over the past year you know leading up to this point i think this actually for me this non interactive that does have a it does represent in a way a maturity point i'm sure we'll have more of them but this one is you know the foundation is growing up and having a much more s- solid sense of itself can you talk about about that journey and how we've got here and how things have gone and where,
1: where you think things are going so when, when the foundation was announced right uh, i mean there was still an active iojs fork right like there you know people forget that it wasn't that long ago uh, so i'd say you know really the first year of the foundation was about merging the projects you know there was you know About six months of like political work and you know governance documentation and things like that, and then another six months of you know real code work. You know like these these things have diverged quite a bit. You know the governance model from iojs taking on the responsibility of you know 0.10 and 0.12 security releases and things like that. So there was just a huge amount of work to do there, and we were you know still to this day we're seeing a huge influx of contributors, but we've had to pioneer and and really you know figure out a lot of the scaling mechanisms. Like how do you scale? many contributors? And how do you scale this many working groups and things like that? So I, I think that that first six months was, or really the first year of the foundation was just, you know, getting together a merged and reformed project and thinking about what are the tools that we have to scale at this community? And that kind of brings us into to 2016. And, and this year has really been about repositioning Node in terms of messaging. I, I think that... Node has always had a really strong server-side message, but that doesn't quite map up with you know how widely Node is used. It's used in desktop applications, and mobile applications, and IoT. You know, there's all of these huge growth areas. So we, you know, how do you come up with a consistent story that Node is for everything, right? How do you come up with a compelling story that Node is for everything? So we've done a huge amount of work in the foundation and in the technical community, really, to talk about this whole new full stack and to to reach out to members from you know not server backgrounds and things like that. And I think that we've been very successful with that. I think that you know now people you know view Node and, and especially the Node community as being larger than just server side. Coming into the next year, I think that we're probably you know we're feeling a lot more confident now, right? We're, we're not we're not catching up. We're not repositioning. We're 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 on really solid footing. And so I think that we'll probably start going after certain use cases a little bit more aggressively, and start you know e- even some of the language that we use might be a little bit more aggressive. I mean. You know, like when you think about like serverless technologies, for instance, we we are incredibly well suited to that environment, and we don't really talk about that enough. I mean, we're we're doing very well there. We're kind of an obvious choice. We're, I think, the most widely supported language and platform among different people's serverless offerings. But we haven't talked a lot about how much better we are than, say, other languages at fast startup time, low resource utilization, huge amount of I/O in a in a very low footprint. You know, all these things that are important in all of computing but especially important in serverless especially important in IoT so i think that yeah you're going you're going to see us get just just you know we're we're coming from uh, a much a, a much stronger position than we were before so in terms of your, what you do these days, you made a comment recently that
0: you've shifted into that position now where you do code as recreation, <laughs> and I sometimes find myself in a similar place, but can you talk about what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis now that you, you've had
1: that flip? Um, so what does what is, what is Michael Rogers do these days? Uh, phone calls and email. Um, <laughs> that's, that's about it. A lot of emails, a lot of phone calls. My, my role over the last year has definitely been being the spokesperson for the Foundation and for Node, when it comes to talking to analysts, press, stuff like that, being the kind of technical consultant when we do marketing, PR, stuff like that, somebody to look over and make sure that all these statements are you know accurate in terms of the technology. There's a lot of you know higher level strategic work that I've done too, in reaching out to different people, communities, companies, getting people together. A lot of just connecting this person with that person and making sure that things move forward. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's there's been plenty of that when you look at stuff like you know, VM neutrality, where you've got to get you know five companies to work. <laughs> Together, you know, and you know, there's there's a lot of you know, preparing the board decks, you know, r- running the board meetings, that kind of stuff. And, and there's also, you know, there's a fair amount of people inside the Linux Foundation that work on the Node.js Foundation and work on Node.js. And there's a, a level of kind of internal operations, you know, getting getting all of those people on the same page, getting making sure that everybody knows what they're doing, executing on a bunch of stuff in a timeline. So there's there's sort of a, an internal managerial role as well that I've been filling. So in terms of one of the things that you've been pulling off recently, you've been talking to Adam Baldwin of Lyft Security.
0: You've managed to get an agreement that the Node Security Project will move into the Node Foundation. Can Can you talk a bit about what that means for the Foundation and Node Security in general?
1: It means a couple things. I mean, one, just for security researchers, for companies that are doing security vetting, and just for individual developers, if you have a Node.js vulnerability that you find in you know, one of 360,000 packages, you don't have to hunt down the maintainer, you don't have to worry about them having a responsible disclosure policy of their own. You can report that to security at Node.js, and there is a community of people that will vet it, that will communicate with you about the vulnerability, that will track down the author and and find a fix, and and work through that. And this is unique to note, I mean, no other platform has taken this level of responsibility for the security of their ecosystem. I think maybe in the future they will, but we, we are hitting this problem in a much bigger way than any other platform, because one, we have the largest ecosystem in the world, I mean, double the size of Java now, And Node.js is very small in terms of platform surface area compared to other platforms. So that means that applications are built more with third-party modules. And so the security of people building applications in Node.js is more reliant on that ecosystem than it would be in other platforms. So we're just feeling this pain a lot more, I think, than other platforms, which is why we've been, you know, some, I mean, the Node security project is now three years old. I mean, this is something that that people in the community have been thinking about for a while. But we're now at the point where we need a level of institutional support for it. So bringing in the foundation really makes a lot of sense for that. So what's in uh, store for the next six months?
0: Or in fact, the next year, let's, let's talk about Node Interactive. Are we going to see Node Interactive Europe or what's, you know, what's
1: on the cards here? What do people need to block off their calendars for? <laughs> so we, we tried out a lot of stuff this year. We did a Node Live event, which was a smaller event in a bunch of cities. We did about 10 of them. We did a, a Node Interactive in Europe and we did this one as well. I think next year we're scaling back a bit for a couple reasons. One is that doing that many events really has a big impact on the, you know, people internally at the Node Foundation that are trying to do all kinds of work, right? So this is gonna give us more of an opportunity to do non-event related work, cutting back to, you know, one big event. I think that we'll get a bigger cross section of people If we do one big event rather than, you know, two big events or multiple big events, I think that, you know, the power of saying, you know, this is the thing, you know, it just brings more people out. So that'll be really beneficial and i think it'll also give us an opportunity to have more of a node foundation presence at other events i mean we you know i was speaking at a node event every month this year i couldn't accept a lot of speaking opportunities at other people's events uh, and you know i've that's something that i've been enjoying doing for you know about 8 years now is going to other you know community conferences and speaking and stuff like that so i think that you'll definitely see us have a bit more of a presence you know in bigger industry events you know like oscon or things like that but but also you know, JSConf and, and, you know, the bigger community events. Thanks very
0: much, Michael. And um, I'm sure we'll hear more from Michael in a future note.
2: sneak is a London and Israeli company building developer-focused security tools, primarily focused on securing open source code. One in seven NPM packages carries a known vulnerability, and roughly 83% of Node.js shops are using vulnerable packages. Sneak checks your dependencies against their open source vulnerability database and then helps you find fix, prevent, and respond to any vulnerabilities in your application. If you're using GitHub, the fix can be as simple as an automated pull request that Sneak submits with the necessary fixes. You can easily integrate Sneak into a CI system like Travis or Jenkins to make sure your application is monitored continuously. Open source projects are free to monitor, and there's also a free 14-day trial for your private code. Find out more at Snyk node
0: i'm with a couple of couple of folks that attended node interactive and the collaborators summit for 2016 i'll just get them to introduce themselves i'm brian english
3: i work at a company called intrinsic i'm steven belanger i'm currently fun employed and hacking on some fun stuff
0: brian tell us about your highlights at uh, node interactive what new things you learned or
4: what were the big takeaways for you the biggest thing for me with with any of these conferences is putting faces to names there's a lot of that going on. I, I, Evan Lucas, for example, is somebody that I've always been looking forward to meeting and had the opportunity to have lunch with him yesterday. It was great. As far as the uh, Collaborator Summit, it was, all, it was very good to have the docs discussion that we had yesterday. I think that's probably one of the more important things in this whole conference and Collaborator Summit for me was having the docs discussion that we had yesterday. And uh, we, we talked a lot about things like where the guides need to live, because right now they're existing in three different repositories. And that needs to be resolved. And we came up with some clear answers to how that's going to be resolved. So I think that's the most important and interesting thing to me. How about you, Stephen? Was it networking as well, or was the actual
3: conference content that was good for you? Yeah, the networking is definitely uh, super valuable. And the, the like VM work is pretty interesting, the working towards ABI stability and hopefully someday VM ne- neutrality. I'd, I'd love to see I'd love to see Node on mobile someday.
0: Do you have any talk highlights that, that from the conference that you can think of? I, don't, I hate to put you both on the spot here because... But, uh,
3: yeah, any talk highlights, that, the things that were refreshing or new? I quite enjoyed Rachel's talk on Twitter bots.
4: There was uh, a talk by Sarah Itani, I think I'm saying her name correctly, which was focused on, you know, inclusivity, diversity, and so on. But it was taking a rather fresh angle on it, and I don't want to spoil it too much. I encourage people to go see the video of that one. It was, it was quite good.
0: That's great. So tell me a bit about more the doc, about the docs, because it sounds like you both were involved in that, and I, I wasn't there, so and you can educate me here as well. How well attended was that, and how much interest do you see in the, the documentation work around Node Core?
4: Right, so in, in terms of the meeting we had yesterday, that started with a discussion around, well, between Evan and I about docs, given that we had both been involved earlier on in the documentation working group. And then we said, well, you know, let's, let's just make that what this table is, and we started talking about it. It was great. So historically, there, there were some efforts around the guides and, and topics and reference being the three main angles of documentation, but with us only really having one of them right now being reference. One of the initial goals of the documentation working group was to change that by providing, you know, more guide and topic style docs and so there were some loose definitions of what you know topics and uh, and guides meant so like guides were supposed to be a lot more long form and a lot more you know examples and generally having a a much less technical tone and then topics were supposed to have a lot more technical depth be a little bit more terse. you know a lot somewhere in between reference docs and guides from that both topics and guides have come along, but there's been some confusion as to where they belong. That is something that I think we came up with some answers to this week. And I think there's going to be a lot of PRs coming in soon that are going to resolve that. Because right now we have a lot of really good content that isn't available on the website, but it's only available in various repos, and that's, that's all going to be solved really soon. So, Stephen, what sort of things can we
0: expect coming up from the documentation? I've seen a lot of work put into the API docs, but really scattered work put into everything else around that. So, what what can we expect from the next
3: evolution of docs? We we've been in the past fairly good at like uh, reviewing PRs, but like the whole growth of the guides and topics aspect has not really moved too well. And I think part of that has been like very not clear membership involvement direction like as the docs working group we've kind of failed at documenting our own process so i think that's the thing we need to start doing a bit better and like inviting more people in and guiding them and how they can help us make the docs better
0: I know one of the challenges with the DOCS working group is, is simply having leadership of people that have the time and energy to push things forward. I know there's a lot of people interested in it, but it seems that the leadership has been part of the problem of pushing it forward. Do you see, do you see new people stepping up to fill in those places and to really be the the people that push it forward?
3: So I'm not sure if there's, like really a clear leader yet i I unfortunately missed the previous docs discussion as the vm one was at the same time and i was at that one yeah there's a couple people uh, myself i have more time at this point to get involved i i was somewhat more involved in the initial incarnation of the docs working group than life happened and wasn't able to do too much but hopefully that gets turned around soon about you Brian, do you have any thoughts on
4: leadership and do you have hopes for the, the, the working group being reinvigorated after this? I think um, first and foremost some of the original goals of the group will most likely have some amount of completion in the near future. I think that is probably the most important thing here but in terms of leadership I was actually really impressed with how Evan Lucas took on a leadership role in the discussion yesterday so I'm, I'd be wondering if, if he'd be willing to take a more formal role as well. So diagnostics
0: now encompasses a, a very broad range of, of topics. What, what sort of topics were covered in, at the Collaborative
3: Summit here? So there was a lot of focus on... Some folks from Google have been working on getting their uh, tracing controller and trace event stuff in, which would provide the same basic tracing hooks that are used in Chromium. So that, that would provide us very low-level sampling stream that currently it's only the like native side so we would have to get that in and kind of like work on what does this look from JavaScript side is there gonna be like a JavaScript API to consume this or is it just gonna like dump to a file like chromium does it's that's that's a bit unclear at this point and uh, we we also covered a bit of the node debugger <laughs> command line tool that's unfortunately the the, the debugger aspect of v8 that that's based on is kind of going away in v8 5.7 that feature is just going to not work we need to do something about that like immediately there unfortunately was never any clear like deprecation in node of that even though it's been like deprecated in v8 for about two years now I think the debugger is, has, hasn't had much love
0: over the recent years, and particularly now with the interest shifting to V8 Inspector Protocol that's come in. So it sounds like we're, we're doing a bit of a scramble to let users know that it's just not something that
3: is going to be supported at all soon. Well, the, there's the node debugger, there's a separate like, user land project that we were evaluating, potentially bringing that into the foundation and like discussed a little bit if it makes sense to bring that into like the actual project, like shipping that with the distribution of Node, which we're a bit uncertain on that. We we definitely think blessing it as a foundation project is reasonable, but th- this is specifically for the command line tool, which as far as we know, there's not huge usage of. And the, the current model with the Node inspector is kind of like built around just using the visual tools mostly. This would provide a way to use that with the new inspector system. The old one will go away, which is fine because it doesn't really work properly right now anyway. It's just lots of bugs. doesn't even pass its own tests right now. So it's progress. Yeah, it's a,
0: a little bit of an unspoken embarrassment in corporate. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great to see the reception of the V8 inspector work and uh, other work that's going on in the diagnostics. I think it's very promising. Brian, were you involved in uh, the code and loan activities?
4: I was. That was quite the event. A lot of us who were mentoring that event found ourselves quite tired after it. There was just so many people, I guess, really excited to contribute yeah. to, to Node Core. and and. Uh, well, Give us some framing here. And tell us what, what Code & Learn is about and what was, what's the goal there. Sure. So Code & Learn is an event to basically, I, I guess we had three hours slotted for it and it was to get people to contribute to Node Core. That's basically, that's all there really is to it. And, and the way that it's done is we had a bunch of issues that were already basically ready to go for these people to take care of and, and just build their PRs for that against Core. Big shout-out to Anna and Rich who put that together.
0: Tell us about the range of people that you, that you experienced there because it's got to be a huge range.
4: Right, right. So, Well, first of all, there were folks on all platforms, Windows, Linux, Mac, all over the place. and Especially on Linux, there were... Varying distributions and sometimes lack of distributions. It was pretty interesting. And, you know, that lends itself to a bunch of challenges. You know, things like how do we get all the build tools installed correctly? Or uh, how do we make sure the correct version of Python is installed? So Python 2.7 or or 6 versus 3. So there was a lot of that. And there was also people coming from varying, vastly varying backgrounds in terms of, like, what was their experience with, with even JavaScript or with Node or or things like that, right? So, yeah, it, it was quite interesting jumping from table to table and trying to solve problems at different levels. Like I was saying, there, there were there were only so many of us there to help, and so we often found ourselves in trying to help two people at once, three people at once, with those wide ranges, so. And, and what do you think is the outcome of Code and Learn? Is it, it, do you think it's, it's to
0: generate excitement about Node itself, or are we actually going to see a sizable number of core contributors come
4: out of that, people who will persist in making contributions to core? Right, so I think with, with events like this, you're obviously going to get a lot of people who will only make one contribution ever, or maybe two, three, whatever. But like Rich was saying yesterday, you know, if you cast a wide enough net, you're eventually going to get more contributors. So I think that's the primary goal is to get more contributors because you know the more the better.
0: Thank you very much, both of you, for for joining me, and uh, I'll,
5: I'll see you around for the rest of the time here. Hey, I'm Justin Beckwith, a uh, product manager at Google, working on Node.js.
0: So Justin, you've recently joined us on the Node Foundation board. And it's great to have an expansion of the board, and particularly representation from Google. How have you found the process so far? And, and do you see there's, there's a good avenue for Google to contribute to the work of the Node Foundation through, through the board?
5: Yeah, you know, the process has been really fascinating. I think a lot of times we take for granted the things that go into making an organization like Node.js run, you know, everything from writing the code to the ecosystem to managing the community. And, you know, it's just a lot of work to, get, to keep something like this up and running. So it's, it's pretty eye-opening to get a, get a view into that and hopefully, you know, be able to contribute more with it. On, on how we're going to be able to work with this at Google, I think it's a great opportunity for us because, you know, we've been working on V8 and Chrome for a long time. And I think kind of in the early days, we really weren't as focused on Node.js as, as I, w- I wish that we were. And really, now what we're trying to do is sort of turn that around. Make sure that Node gets everything it needs from Chrome. Make sure it gets everything it needs from V8. Work on the integrations. Make sure everything's tested. Make sure we know if something's going to break and that we help actually go get involved and fix those breaks. And then, you know, more recently, the big thing we've been doing is getting Involved in a little bit of tooling, so integration with things like debugging and tracing in Chrome, and you know, just trying to make the developer experience—if you're comfortable with Chrome and V8 in the front end—make sure so that translates well to the tooling used in the back end as well.
0: Now, I heard um, you say something interesting yesterday about the expansion of your team at Google, the number of people using Node and how that's changed over time. Can you tell us a bit about that?
5: Yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride. We were at Node Interactive in Portland last year, and it was uh, myself, Ali, and Matt, you know, kind of the three people that started. And we were just sort of three guys that separately had gotten involved with Node on our own because we were individually passionate about it. And now all of a sudden we come to Node Interactive this year and we had 20 people from Google that just kind of all folks from different teams that came out of the woodwork that you know, also were, were lovers of Node.js. And we've been able to form and grow a team of passionate folks that are working on this stuff together. So it's been an incredibly fun year and especially exciting to see a difference of just what 12 months can make.
0: Also interesting, I find fascinating from the outside anyway, is the, the relationship between Node and V8 and how that's developed and how GCP, Google Cloud Platform, has, has been pivotal in, in that relationship. Can you talk a bit about how that connectivity has increased over time and, and what, what, can we, what we can expect to see from that collaboration?
5: Yeah, for me, that's actually, I joined Google originally to work on cloud and, and that's how a lot of this stuff got started from my side, at least. I, I didn't come in on the Chrome or V8 team. You know, I think for us, Node obviously is a great link for building back-end services, web applications, all that kind of stuff, and we wanted to make sure that when you deploy to Google Cloud that it works, and we wanted to have a great experience. I think the thing that we're trying to bring, a few things we're trying to bring that are a little unique to that and a good bridge kind of between those communities. So we're focusing on diagnostics tooling, so stuff like Cloud Debugger lets you do passive debugging, Cloud Trace, some of the other tools that we have around logging and error reporting. And I think these kind of uh, you know a lot of the instrumentation and tooling that we have at Google in production for our own systems, we've been putting a lot of time into making those available externally and making sure that we can bring them to Node. So I think I think that's been kind of that's sort of the biggest thing that we bring to the table. Uh, some of the containerization technology we have, but also just knowing how to run an app in production at Google is something that we do pretty well. And if we can help make that use better for Node users, you, you know, even better.
0: Do Do you think the perception of Node amongst the Chromium and, and specifically the V8 team has changed to the point where it seems to me like Node is considered more of a consumer than it, it once was. Like V8 used to be about Chromium, but it seems like that's shifting a bit more now. Where we, we Node is much more first-class in that relationship.
5: Yeah, absolutely. We've had a few new people that have joined the V8 team, and also I think I think part of this is really just bringing more of the viewpoint of the community to a lot of engineers that you know are very hyper-focused on web, and we just needed to get you know. A, a better mix of folks in there with different backgrounds and experiences. And we've seen a lot of change with that in the last year. We now have engineers on the V8 team going out to NodeConf, going, you know, getting involved with Node School and getting involved in the outreachy program. I mean there's almost been more engagement out of that team than there even has uh, from 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 the cloud team. It's been really, really great to watch and I think that it's really going to benefit Node and, and Google in the long run.
0: Yeah, I, I, I double, double that. I, sorry, second that. I, I've been watching some of the folks, particularly on the VA team, really deeply engage with Node, not seemingly from a product perspective, but simply because they're passionate about, about that. So it's, it's wonderful to see a company like Google engaging in open source that way. So what can we expect from, from Google's involvement in the foundation over the next year? Are we going to see Google stepping up its presence, or do you think that you know, you've know you got a rhythm going now with, with how you're at?
5: Yeah, I know as much as we've done a lot in the last year, the truth is we're still new to this, right? We now have a member on the CTC, you know, uh, someone on the board. And I think that a big part of this trip for us was a neat opportunity to get all of our team together in one city. It's actually the first time that everyone working on Node at at Google, at least in this group, was able to get all in the same room. And that's actually we did all day yesterday. So we have a nice, you know, 2017 roadmap outlining, you know, where we are, the successes we were happy about, where we want to go. I think what you're going to see from us is, you know, the same messaging around running in production, the production tooling, debugging, profiling, tracing, logging, you know, how do you manage errors? What does it mean to run a Node app in prod, in production, at enterprise scale? And I think that's, that's where we're going to focus a lot of our energy.
0: That's great. Um, now, <clears throat> Node Interactive, do you have any highlights at Node Interactive? I, I know you probably didn't attend all the sessions because you were busy with meetings, but any highlights for you from uh, from the speaking sessions?
5: Yeah, absolutely. The talk that Ashley from NPM gave on some of the numbers and contributions that we're starting to see is just staggering for me. You know, Node.js is as much as any other ecosystem all about what users are going and adding and making out of it themselves. And I think seeing the NPM continue to grow and to continue to be successful and seeing more and more packages out there. You know, I think that was you know, it shouldn't be surprising, but the numbers always are, and I think it's the best thing about Node.js.
0: And Collaboration Summit, have you participated much in the Collaboration Summit activities over the last two days here?
5: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yesterday we had our own off-site, so unfortunately I wasn't able to come, but I got to attend a few sessions today. got to sit in on some of the... Um, Diagnostics, was it? Yeah, well, there was the diagnostics one, some of the deprecation messaging discussion, a little bit on HTTP2, some of the things I'm personally very passionate about. So I'm pretty excited to see where we go with that in Node.
0: Fantastic. Well, look, I look forward to working with you more on the board, and I'm really encouraged by Google's interaction with Node. So I think we've got a great future together. Thanks very much
5: for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us.
2: One of the frustrating things about being a developer is dealing with errors relying on users to report them, digging through log files trying to debug issues, or a million alerts flooding your inbox ruining your day. With Rollbar's full-stack error monitoring, you get the context, insights, and control you need to find and fix bugs faster with a lot less noise. It's easy to install. You can start tracking production errors and deployment in a few minutes. Rollbar works with all major languages and frameworks, Ruby, Python, JavaScript, PHP, and of course, Node. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, send alerts to Slack or HipChat, create new issues in Jira or Trello, and link your GitHub, Bitbucket, or GitLab repos. We have a special offer for Node.Up listeners. Go to rollbar.com nodeup. Sign up and get the bootstrap plan free for 90 days. Loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. Give Rollbar a try today. Go to rollbar.com nodeup.
6: Hey, my name's Brian Hughes. I work at Microsoft, where I work on a Glimpse project, which is like a debugging tool for Node. And I'm also on the Node.js TSC. Thanks, Brian, for
0: joining us. And can you tell us a bit more about Glimpse, about your work at Microsoft? Because I I don't even know the details of that.
6: So this is a really new project. It's still in a private beta, but we demoed it for the first time here at Node Interactive, actually. And so this is a debugging tool that gives you a high-level view of what an application is doing. And by application, we mean across all systems, everything that involves a user being able to do a thing. So, you know, a client, browser, mobile, whatever makes a request that can go to the server, hit a couple of servers, databases, things like that. And we give a holistic view of what that request will do. So you can see how it traces through all these systems.
0: You know, you've been at Microsoft, is it for y- less than a year now, isn't it?
6: A little under a year, I think about eight months.
0: Okay. And and you've been mainly focusing on the tools area in Microsoft. Do you have any connection with the Chakra Core team over there?
6: I do. All of the teams that do, like, Node.js-focused things at Microsoft, we collaborate pretty closely, and we talk quite a bit. And, and how many Microsoft people
0: do you think are, are at the conference here? Because I know there's quite a few of them.
6: I'm not sure exactly. I want to say there's a dozen, maybe a little more than that. It's, it's quite a few.
0: Yeah. And there's been a few talks, a few great talks from Microsoft, actually, at Node Interactive. Can you tell us a bit about your highlights
6: from Node Interactive
0: in terms of the, the talks or anything else with regard to the particularly the conference?
6: Well, the thing that strikes me the most is that it's been, a, a bit of everything that's been really great. There's been some wonderful talks uh, that, that spanned the gamut, some you know, really deep technical talks. Uh, I'm biased, but I, I really liked Josh Gamont's talk on debugging and debugging. It you was know, just kind of really getting into some really interesting nitty-gritty that most people don't see very often. And But there's also been some talks that have been more community-focused. I thought Tracy Hines' keynote was great, You know, introducing some new things that we're going to be working on uh, within the project. I also really like the expo hall uh, that we had set up, too. Uh, just being able to get in and talk to a lot of people and just overall, like the balance that I think was struck here, uh, there was a lot of people from the community side really in- invested in the the node community, from Nodebots and everything else, but also from the uh, enterprise <laughs> side too and you know we don't normally kind of see these two groups coming together and mixing and i think that was actually really valuable for everyone to kind of see all the different sides of node in one place
0: um yeah no it's been fantastic can you talk a bit a bit more about i wanted to talk to tracy but she's unfortunately disappeared before i could catch her but can you talk a bit more about what she spoke about and what we can expect to see in that area that she's been working on there particularly in relation to what she spoke at the keynote
6: We talk about the Node community a lot, and it's very important to us. Uh, it's kind of a nebulous term, first of all. But so this group is, one of the things that this group is going to be doing is sort of trying to figure out what is the Node community and how can the Node Foundation interface with this Node community uh, at large. You know, we're going to figure out what is Node School doing, what is Node Bus doing, and how does that story fit into the foundation, and what other communities are out there. So it's, it's a pretty broad focus, it's a pretty nebulous focus, but it's, you know, It's really about, you know, how do we better serve the community itself? And some of that is going to be outward facing. So one thing we've actually talked about today, in fact, was, you know, what are the ways that we can reach parts of the community that we aren't currently reaching? You know, what are the different avenues for doing that? You know, what sites and communication tools do other people use
0: there's some obvious things when we talk about community groups like there's node school and node bots node girls and there's a few other more formal groups what what do you think is out there that we haven't reached yet and that we would like to reach would you have an idea of the that scope that is is missing from our view Uh,
6: i have a a vague idea i think geography plays a pretty big role in this like you know we, we know that there's a huge node community in china for example, you know, we've seen the success of the C node and CNPM, but we don't really have any connections with them. You know, we don't really know what is the community like. How do they organize? You know, you know what kind of things do they talk about? Are, are there, you know, Roblox communities out there, for example? I mean, you know, we're not really sure yet.
0: So, in terms of, I guess, we're trying to set up a two-way relationship between community organizations and the Node Foundation. Mm-hmm. So what sort of things can the foundation provide to those community groups and the community organizers out there?
6: I think there's a lot of different things we can provide. and You know, that can be monetary, but I think more than that can be exposure. It can also be helping, you know, give advice on how to run these communities. You know, we can talk about, like, best practices for running conferences as one example. You know, because we have a lot of people within the Node Foundation and in some of the community-run conferences on, you know, we know how to run good events collectively, but not everyone has the ability to actually get those resources and to talk to them because this is you know it's in people's heads a lot of the time. I think this is a really great way to disseminate information, best practices and things like that.
0: And what about the reverse? What what can we as a foundation get from the connection with those, those groups out there?
6: Well, so, you know, the foundation in the Node.js project itself is a community like any other. And like any other community, there's some things that we do really well, and there's some other things that we don't do as well. And so I think that the big thing we can gain from other communities is figure out what they're doing well and figure out how to apply that to the Node project. For example, you know, so I come from the Johnny Five and NodeBots community, so that's why I talk about hardware a lot. And uh, NodeBots is really, really good about teaching beginners and reaching out to beginners, just because the, pro- the project kind of focused on that as a target audience early on. On. And so there's a lot of things they've figured out that I think we can learn from and do a better job at, you know, reaching beginners.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, Brian. It's been great to spend time with you, the, the little time that I have had with you anyway at that Node Interactive. Thank you.
7: Thanks, everyone. Hi, I'm William Kapke. I go by William Kapke Online. I contribute to Node in different sorts of ways rather than code, and I... <laughs>
8: I think that's about all I can say on it. Hi, I'm James Snell. I'm J.A. Snell online pretty much everywhere. I'm IBM's technical lead for Node, which just means I I get to play with Node all day long and IBM pays me for it, so yeah. My
9: name is uh, Thomas Watson. I'm Watson on GitHub, where I do a lot of open source stuff. And then I'm the Node.js lead at Upbeat, where I work a lot with diagnostics and performance of Node.
0: Now, William, you you were one of the opening keynotes at Node Interactive. Can you give us the basic gist of what your talk
7: was about? It was my year in Node, coming back to Node, because I I first tried to get involved with Node in 2010, and it was very difficult. And I I followed and struggled along, kind of like a little groupie uh, along the way, but never really got into being strongly involved. And I.O. came around, I was really excited. The merger came around, I was really not excited and kind of disconnected from things but then uh, the foundation came around with its new direction and encouraged me to come back and so my talk was about that year in coming back and what I experienced and all the glory that I actually ended up getting out of it. Thomas tell us a bit about your
0: journey I don't want don't have to go
7: into too much detail here
0: but you're, you've been with Upbeat for a little while how did you get into this and, and what sort of work are you doing these days?
9: So I was actually doing open source, a lot of open source work, and one of the things I did was I wanted to use Upbeat as a product, and they didn't have Node support, so I did a Node agent for Upbeat. And after a while, they were like, "Hey, um, maybe we could pay you to kind of maintain some of it because people are using this." And then after a while, they were like, "Actually, we would like to hire you because this is
0: this is really good work." And so I was like, yeah, okay. And so yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm there. And you were one of the um, one of the sponsors of the the of the interactive and you had a, a booth I believe at the back there did you make some good connections
9: yeah it, it, it was really good I uh, really liked uh, like the people here like it's a good mix of, of developers and, and people who can make some decisions and so our users and at Upbeat is developers that's the approach we try to try to get leads like via getting in on the ground
0: floor so to speak great um James you've you've been very busy over the last four days But presumably you got to sit in at least some of the talks. I'm just wondering what what sort of highlights you had? What were the interesting things you learnt or what were the great talks
8: that you managed to sit through? I managed to actually make it to exactly one talk, which is a hundred percent more than I made it at the last <laughs> Node Interactive. Um, Don't tell it, me that was that my talk, actually, was it? No, it was. It was actually the ABI stability talk with Chakra Core and, and stuff like that, which uh, which was really interesting.
0: I, I missed out on that one. Can you tell us, tell me about that because I, I, it's some great work they've been doing there.
8: Oh. So, you know, Microsoft get up into the talk. and they've been doing, doing a tremendous amount of work here, and you know they spent you know about half the talk talking about some of the things that they're doing in Chakra and you know the time travel debugging and some really cool tools that they, have com- you know, that they have coming down the pipeline. The second part of the talk, though, was talking about the new ABI stability, which is basically a new API in Node to make it so that native modules can be built once and used across Node versions. So the demo showed them, you know, a, le- a modified version of the level-down module built once and running in Node 010, 012, 4, 6, and against master, with both V8 and chakra. And the, the, the NATO model was built once. There was no rebuild step. And it was, it's, a, it's an extremely compelling demo. They have a, a ton of work to do. Like, it doesn't do error handling yet, and there's, <laughs> there's a lot of gaps there. But it's very early work, and they just wanted to get up there and show people the direction things were going. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's one of, the, one of the most exciting things that's going on at the moment, even though
0: it's been very complicated work. Um, William, what about you? What, what did you enjoy from the, the conference here? Other than your own talk, of course.
7: Uh, well, that would be your talk
0: then. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not fishing here, other than my talk. <laughs> what, what other things have been uh, interesting for you? Have you learned anything new by being at the at Node Interactive?
7: Oh yes, definitely. I, I don't even want to go into what, what I learned that was new because I want to I want to just go straight into uh, Tracy's talk about inclusivity. Again, in my year of of coming to the Node of of 2016. Inclusivity has been such a, a big and amazing challenge, very bumpy, and we're moving into the next phase of, of how that's going to be uh, tackled. And so she was just explaining w- what the proposals are that are out there, how the foundation's looking at handling it, and I think it's, it's a step in the right direction. And, it's, and I, I didn't know a lot of the stuff that she was talking about there, and so that was kind of my highlight to see that, that, that problem be tackled.
8: Yeah I, I, yeah, I, I've said it before. Personally, I think that that work is some is, is if not the most important, but you know it's a uh, at the very top of the list uh, of things that are the most important initiatives within within the foundation within Node itself. Yes, we have a lot of technical work that's happening, but that you know opening up that community, opening up who can contribute to Node and when and where and where you know you know internationally, it doesn't matter who they are or where they are or what time zone they're in and stuff. that that we're removing those barriers for who can contribute and who feels comfortable and, you know, who can, can feel like they're a part of the their community is, is critical. So, Now, Thomas, you're not one of the collaborators
0: of Core, I think, but uh, obviously have had an, a ton of time to contribute like we do around Node Core. But you've been here for the Collaborators some of the last couple of days. I'm just wondering what sort of value have you got out of that? How, how have your connections gone? And also, how have you been able to contribute to, to the work going on here?
9: So I'm a part of the diagnostics working group, which is the main reason why I'm here at the Collaborator Summit. And just being able to to see people in in person, maybe people you even haven't, haven't met before, or only talked to online, is a huge, huge win. Because one of the main issues I, I think we, we face besides inclusivity, as we just talked about, is is like how we communicate, which of course, like is is, is borderline kind of like the same thing in some cases and just being able to to see people's emotions and and look people in the eye when you talk to them help like remove a lot of uncertainty and a lot of misunderstandings and stuff like that so so this this collaboration summit really is is pushing that and it's really good yeah
0: there's been a lot of work on diagnostics. It's, it's, it's heated up as one of the most important areas of activity in the Node Foundation. What are the most interesting initiatives in diagnostics that you're seeing going on, and particularly for your work, but also for the, the, the health and future of Node?
9: One of the things I'm heavily, really interested in, I was about to say involved in, but but I'm not doing that much of coding, but is, is something called Async Hooks, which is an API that's, that's coming to, to Node soon that allows us to, have more insights into the async nature of Node and be able to implement stuff like continuation local storage inside of Node Core itself, or expose APIs so, so it's easier to do. The async nature of, of JavaScript makes a lot of these things really, really hard, and that development in Node Core is, is some of the most exciting thing, I think, is, is happening right now. James, now you've been
0: to, I think, three collaboration summits now? Um, so, what this time around? What what are some of the most valuable things that you've seen come out of the two days that we've had here?
8: In terms of most valuable, I think I think Thomas you know, pretty much nailed it. Just just everyone getting together face to face, having that opportunity just to kind of sit down and talk. You know, very high bandwidth conversations of just you know well, working through things. Like Matteo Kalina and I were you know earlier sat down for an hour and were able to get you know just in that time get ten percent. Performance improvement out of the HP2 work I was doing. You know, it's like, you know, he and I had been trying to schedule time to do that, you know, for for a while and just had not been able to sync up calendars and schedules. Getting face to face with this, you know, you know, this number of collaborators all in one place and just having the opportunity to sit down and and work things through, right, and have these conversations in a way that is much more effective than, you know, just you know, async conversations online, you know, GitHub's great, but it's not a great communication channel. And I think that's probably the most valuable thing here. So. I, I, I
7: want to add in, there was also Code and Learn, and 175 people out there that were getting their laptops set up to be able to compile Node and, and submit PRs, and, and, and I think pretty much all of them uh, achieving it and learning it from actual current Node core contributors, that was just so awesome to see.
0: This time, particularly, I, I wasn't at the uh, European ones, so I can't speak to that. But um, just noting, considering the high number, high number of people here that haven't been as deeply involved. So it actually seems to have been a, a good chance to do a bit more outreach to people that haven't been as deeply involved and get collect some more ideas and opinions from amongst a group that's a little bit more extended than what we're used to. William, have you felt that this has been a, a good chance to do that, to collect that additional insight?
7: Uh, well, yeah. And so one of the things discussed today was, and linking it to Code and Learn, was to, to do a Code and Learn for the website and extend that into all the languages support that's that's needed out there. If we can get 175 people working on the website too, like that would
8: that would blow my mind to another level. Yeah, we had just walking around the, the 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 first part of the conference, you know, the general conference, people saw the collaborator summit on the agenda and I was having people come up and ask me, you know, hey, you know, I'm not a contributor to core. I don't, you know, I don't I don't even, you know, contribute to open source, but I'd like to learn more about it. Is that something that's okay for me to go to? And my answer was absolutely yes. You know, we want, you know, we, we, I, I love it to if we can get as many people here as possible and participating in the conversations, because one thing that, that Core has always had a challenge with is connecting with the user community and getting more user perspective. Like, we can make decisions all, you know, all day long, but we don't want those decisions to be made in a vacuum. And in a lot of times, way too often, they are without the insight from the user community. And some of the conversations we've had today, you know, it was some of the users that were speaking up and say, hey, you know what, that has been confusing. You know, What can we do about it? And that has been invaluable. So just lastly,
0: I wanted to touch on this topic that was mildly humorous, the topic of, of Node V8 that contains V8. Thomas, were you in that discussion? Can you tell us what the problem is that that discussion was trying to, to deal with? Yeah,
9: it's it's kind of a humorous issue that, that we, we're running on V8, the, the Google JavaScript engine V8, and we're getting uh, the latest version of Node right now is uh, version 7, and we're launching version 8, which we usually just call V8 soon. So it was just a matter of discussing whether or not th- should, should we actually skip that version of Node because it would be confusing with the Google V8 engine, or should we just change our, the way we communicate the version in, in a better way maybe and not call it V8, but just call it Node 8 or call it maybe Version 8. So, yeah, it, it was, uh, it, it might seem like a really, really minor detail, but the whole the whole thing we've been talking about these couple of days has, has been also like
8: communication. So, this is part of communication.
0: Anything else to add to that? Either
8: of you. I, I, I still want V8 Google V8 to jump their version so we can have V8 V8 and V8 and just and, would be and, epic and calling it Chromium calling, calling it Chromium so v- Node V8 V8 and V8 with you know Chromium when it goes LTS would be just yeah epic
0: thank you for thank you for William um, James and Thomas for for joining us on NodeUp and we'll see you at the next
2: event whenever that is. DigitalOcean is the best place to get your application off the ground quickly, and the easiest to scale when you find success. Start with the pre-configured Node.js one-click to get up and running in 55 seconds, or build the exact infrastructure you need with root access to servers running 100% SSDs in state-of-the-art data centers around the world. DigitalOcean's easy-to-use API makes integrating tools like Jenkins and Terraform simple. DigitalOcean is the fastest-growing cloud infrastructure provider because it's built for developers, and laser-focused on its mission to create simple and elegant solutions for developers and teams. DigitalOcean community articles provide guidance on a wide array of topics that help developers build better and faster infrastructure. Many of the Node.js packages for different Linux distros are actually built and tested on DigitalOcean VMs by Node.js and NodeSource. Get $10 credit when you sign up for a new account through the link d.o.c.o/slash noteup. As an added bonus, every time a new listener signs up, another randomly selected old listener gets a bonus $25 credit.
10: I am Matteo Collina. I work with, with a company called Nearform. I help maintaining Node Core, especially on Streams. I'm part of the Streams working group. I have been using Node since version 0.4, and started jumping in the community. Yes, I come from Italy, if you haven't guessed from the, from the accent. I, th- I think it's actually Dr. Matteo Collina, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's Dr. Matteo Collina. I started uh, using Node at the beginning of my, doing my PhD uh, research. I did my PhD on the uh, Internet of Things. Then I became involved with the Node community, and now it's my main focus. You presented a
0: talk at Nerd Interactive. I think it might be a new talk that you've been doing. Can you tell us a bit about what you spoke about?
10: I've been recently doing some bit of applied research on uh, using a technology called consistent ushering coupled with gossip networking to build highly scalable web applications where applications where we can hold state within the, each, each of the service. So, for example, for maintaining live connection to the user, doing live notifications, even writing like a small cache system, caching system. So the talk was called Scaling State, and the framework, it's called Upring. And uh, it's pretty awesome. People are really enthusiastic. Is that, is, that, is that exclusive exclusively your work, or is it a near-form project? What's that? So this has become like a little bit complicated in the sense that it's my work, but this has been sponsored by, by Nearform in the sense that i have some some time allocated for doing this type of applied research applied research project and see if we can turn them around in uh, actually full flag like open source projects so that if there is interest in the community and if we can use them to build new type of applications other examples of these activities that we have done this year has been the Pinologger. It's a extremely fast logger that you wrote. <laughs> we have been a little bit of of fun, uh, of, of fun on that. Also, we have doing we have done some research on simplifying how to generate flame graphs and solidifying an approach for making node application more performant. So, yeah, we have, at, at Nearform, from I've uh, got time to to do all this stuff and to help in general the the node ecosystem. So. People that have been on the been to Node conferences recently
0: probably have seen you because you've been around quite a bit doing some talks. Within that idea that the fact that you've been around Node a lot recently, was there anything new or interesting that you found at
10: this conference in particular during the talks, or was it mostly a good networking event for you? For me, it was mostly a, a good networking event because of two reasons. First of all, Nearform is a remote company; we work remotely, so we don't have time much time to. St- Stay in each other's company, mm-hmm. so FaceTime is not a premium. Uh, you know, <laughs> again, uh, not source is the same. At uh, the same, more or less, the same problems. So, and this is common for, throughout the organizations that adopt uh, adopted, uh, remote working. And then the other bit is like the whole node ecosystem is highly remote, highly distributed, and so it's for me it's more about the people I can met at this conference. Rather than the, the conference itself, talks are a really good way to uh, have a conversation to, to to talk about. But for me, the most interesting bits, and it has been some of the recent stuff that uh, Intel has been pushing, has been developing related to performance and how to support the performance of node. But again, this is because I've been doing a lot of work recently on on performance. So. It's a subject that probably interests very few people at this point. (laughs) So uh, that's more or less the the whole thing.
0: And you've been around for the whole Collaborator Summit here. I've seen you in and out of many of the groups. What has been the most valuable thing for the Collaborator Summit for you? What are you most happy about achieving while here at the Collaborator Summit? So we had
10: probably the most important discussion we had was on how to better handle deprecation warning in core. And in the ecosystem in general, because it's been it's been a massive problem lately, given all the growth and explosions that we had, and it's it's very painful. It's very painful for module authors. It's very painful for the ecosystem. And uh, people don't know. People new to know. Do not know how to do things.
0: This is specifically coming arising from the Node version seven deprecation of buffer creation without new isn't it yeah. and do you want to talk a bit about what the, what the pain is there give some people the context around that
10: there are various levels of pain in there let's start with the, the the pain for which that was partly de- was going to be deprecated the buffer constructors might be insecure if people do not validate their parameters that's the first problem and so they were being deprecated very simplifying the problem like there's long train on GitHub so please there. I am being inaccurate. So you're simplifying be, things quite I, a bit. Yeah. I am simplifying. Yeah. I am simplifying. Then there is the other problem for the other part of the community, which is high impact module authors. Pe- people that has more than that, are hundreds of the maintains hundred, they have hundreds modules on NPM for which they, and some of those with very high download numbers, which means that they are going to get the same things over and over again, all the time, which is highly, highly problematic, and the, the the amount of work needed to fix and change all of those, it's really massive, and on most of those projects, they don't do not have the security vulnerability that. We discussed about?
0: Well, I think the, the, the problem with this particular case is that it's conflating a, a, a couple of issues, and security is amongst them, but it wasn't the primary reason for the deprecation in the first place. The deprecation was for to make it easier to subclass Uint8 array, but unfortunately, we've got wrapped up in this security discussion that's become quite painful. Given that we have experienced this level of pain and got so much feedback from the ecosystem about the difficulty there, what was the outcome, or was there an outcome from that discussion about how to move forward in a more productive way for deprecations?
10: There are several things that hopefully are going to happen in the near future. We will be trying to, to prepare some linter rules for detecting those deprecations early on so that the actually the people that can fix those can fix them. Like it's no point in uh, telling everybody about a deprecation while they have no power on how to fix that. So, like, let's have a tool that detects those deprecations and allows notifies developers, uh, the module authors, to to, to to fix those. So that's the first step. And then there have been lots of discussions some other discussion on how to use that tool in the context of an NPM follower, more or less, so that the module author can be notified if their, their thing, their module, use some of those deprecated API. So, so something like a, a Greenkeeper kind of thing? Uh, yes. something. It's slightly different than Greenkeeper in the sense that Greenkeeper keeps track of modules. The, the m- new versions of modules here is not about the new versions of modules, it's about deprecated stuff. So it's it's way less noisy. So one of the problems with greenkeeper is that if you have 200 200 300 400 modules, you can't turn greenkeeper on for all of them. You you have the same problem over again. And the npm one of the greatest thing of the npm module system is that it's perfectly safe and okay to not be using the latest version of a module. So um, that's the, that's part of the equation. So, these will allow uh, module authors to avoid being notified, like to, to avoid, to just be notified for the most critical pieces, and not have the general public seeing warnings in the in the command line. Also, there was a lot of other things discussed, and you will probably the message will probably become way better. So, we will have probably a version deprecation number, version code so that there is a code number for every deprecation. So you can Google it up. It will have a nice web page explaining the problem, explaining why it needs to be deprecated, and what is the remedial action on your application. Great. Now you're also heavily involved
0: in the streams group. Did you get to any streams discussions in here at uh, Node Interactive,
10: or is that group
0: still too small?
10: So the streams working group, the active members of the streams working group are not present. That's not just me here so just you have you been stuck into any conversations where you're the streams expert? I've been sucking in conversation when I have the streams expert. So there is a ma- one major thing on the streams working group that needs to be done, which is proposing to, to the other collaborators to invert the dependency because the streams working group needs to support streams on all the versions of node currently we support down to 0.8 and we support also the browsers internet explorer 11 as well so it's very widespread support for streams which is not currently on the main focus on streams within core so moving that out of, outside of stream out, outside of core and inverting the dependency might simplify a lot of discussion might might be able to try new idea new modules for for streams so can you explain
0: how that would work then? What, what might the mechanics of that inversion look like? Because it's something we've been talking about for a while, but we've never come up with a great way to do it. And what do you think it might look like?
10: So the first step is writing an EPS, which is probably, Rod, you know, you, know, you know more. Uh, I think you better explain what an EPS is. I don't even know. It's an
0: enhancement proposal.
10: It's an enhancement proposal. So um, given that it's a massive change in core, is a massive change on how things work. It needs to have a sign off from the overall community and in particular from the CTC. right? It's, that's a formal pro- a process. So it needs to, to get a stamp. It has a process to, be, to get landed and so on. So like the overall plan needs to be validated by the overall community. So that plan has multiple phases. The first part of that, Means this comes down on now, readable stream is ma- is currently maintained. So readable streams lift code from node and applied a bunch, a huge lot of transformations. Now, if you want to contribute, it will be very good to document all of those because they are massive and a lot of them and Rod I know you've wrote some of them probably I think I wrote the initial version of them <laughs> yes you wrote the initial version of that. you said no you take care of it <laughs> and uh, some other like Calvin is doing a great job at, at maintaining all of that so um, maintaining all that bits maintaining all that part and like just move the current source as it is in readable stream and have node pick pick it up from there this is because it will, it will simplify a lot the, the migration. And after all of this, it's, it's landed and it's, it's fine, then we need to think at a way of reducing those, those numbers of massive modifications so that it's easier to, to support and have a consistent behavior across the different environments. But that needs to come way later because it's a lot of factors to take into account and it probably need to, like, to be validated differently. At least that will simplify simplify things, it's because it, it, we will be able to land the changes and test them in the ecosystem before putting them into a version of core. Because once a version of core is out, it's very hard to, to take them back. While on NPM, most people follows we, either with a patch version number or a minor version number. And so we can land things out quicker. and Provide bug fixes and provide updates. So, it's uh, it might be a, v- a very good way of improving the current flow. So it's uh, and simplify a lot of maintainers for browser browsers and very old versions of Node. Also, currently, the readable stream passes through Babel. Babel. So, does it really? Is that, is that to get the
0: older browser support? Yes. I didn't know that. That's interesting.
10: Uh, I, that was the only thing we could figure it out. At some point, the amount of ES... We, we might want to take it back. I would really love to take it back. But to do so would be to remove a lot of the ES6 things that have been put on inside the streams files in core, which uh, is not that they are good or bad. It's just that the current status, the current trend in, in core development is that we, use, we try to use ES6 whenever it's possible, if it's fast, and if it provides a better ergonomics and better readability. Now, uh, all of that is not available in version original version of Node. So in order to support those, we need to stick to old, good old DS5. So, I presume you'll be heading back to Italy after this.
0: I wanted to talk to you quickly before we go about NodeConf EU, because there's not going to be any Node Interactive EU next year. But presumably there'll be a NodeCon for you next year. What can we expect from
10: Nearform in the conference space next year? <laughs> this is a nice question. So we haven't announced it yet. So I am like you're putting me in a very tough. Oh, you point. don't you don't have to say things if you don't want to. I'm just. No, I am. I can. Uh, I can give some answers. So there will be a NodeCon for you. We are already coordinating with Node.js Interactive, with the Node.js Foundation to like not have any overlap and not have them try not to have them close by. So. That needs to happen, these are discussions that is currently open. We were, of course, thinking of a day, of some range of days, and, of course, they were overlapping. <laughs> so we should just do better and like, avoid any possible overlap. What we can expect is it will still be in Ireland, and it will still be three days. It will still have talks in the morning, single track, and worships in the afternoon, as always have been since 2013. So the format will not change. Everybody, will still have, we will still have the same nice atmosphere where everybody is in the same venue, sleeping there, living there for like all together for four nights, three days. So people can jump into random discussion and we have that amazing community where you can stop by and ask some top engineer from Google how to uh, and tell them the problems, the performance problems you are having, and they come out with a fix for those performance problems.
0: So, stay tuned, I think, for news on uh, NerdCon EU, and it's always been a great event. I, I can personally recommend it from being there. I just wish I didn't live literally on the other side of the planet from it.
10: <laughs> so, can, may I move, if I invite you now to come, <laughs> will you come? <laughs> 24 hours
0: on a plane is not fun so no guarantees from me at this stage anyway thanks, thanks Matteo for, for joining me it's been great to have you here and to see you yet again
10: in the flesh thank you Rod. bye